for an understanding of what that amazing grace is and what it's all about and the ways in which it should shape and form us as God's people who are people of amazing grace. So I invite you today to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 20. We're continuing just through our Back to Basics series of going through uh, these simple and familiar Bible stories that have layers of complexity underneath them. And today we move to beyond last week's um, time of Moses, who was drawn out of the water, and how we remember that we are to be drawn out and practice rhythms of Sabbath, where we are drawn out of all of the things that surround us and weary us, drawn out of our toil into God's presence. From Moses' birth to now, quite a lot has happened. The ten plagues of Egypt have happened. God's people have made their exodus through, uh, through the Red Sea. And now they are in the wilderness. And this is where we pick up today with Moses. We haven't gotten to the Ten Commandments yet. We're just in that stage where, well, it's like if you've been on a long road trip and you've just been on the road long enough that you're sick of being on the road... That's where we pick up today in Exodus chapter 16. This is the story of God's provision through manna and quail. But before we read God's word from Exodus 16, 1 through 20, let's pray for God's blessing upon the word. God, we come to you this day and ask that your word be our daily bread. May you nourish us spiritually. May you feed our heart and soul through the gift of your word. And may it be enough for us to partake of your word and receive a blessing from your Holy Spirit that your word will not be dead within us, but will live within us. That your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts through your word and purify us through your amazing grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Exodus chapter 16, 1 through 20. At the end of the reading of God's word, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and I invite you to respond with thanks be to God. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, 
In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept a part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a kid and we'd go on long family trips, we were always road trip people. Mom and Dad, at the beginning of each vacation, would give us a $10 roll of quarters. Now, that was a lot of money to me as a kid. And also, if you think about how far that would go at a vending machine, keep in mind this was the 90s. A $10 roll of quarters would go a very long way at a vending machine. And there were rules with this provision that Mom and Dad gave each of us kids. This is your snack money for the whole length of the trip. This is what you get. And so when it's gone, it's gone. But there is another thing to it. That $10 roll of quarters wasn't just our snack money. It was also a penalty system set up by my parents. If at any point on the trip they had to tell us to be quiet or shut up or don't ask again how long until we get there. Or if I have to tell you to stop fighting with one of your siblings, we lost a quarter. Now, some of you of the accounting mind might be wondering, what if you spent all of your money 
and then got in trouble, but didn't have any quarters left. Well, then the promise was, not, a, not just a promise, but a very strong threat, was if you run out of quarters and we have to discipline you in the road, then every time that happens, we will keep a tally mark and you owe us a dollar when you get home. This is why I'm so afraid of compound interest. My parents scarred me from it years ago. That's, not, that's even simple interest, but it was a lot. Every quarter we were short, would become a dollar. But the system worked just fine because we knew that we had to make this work. We knew that, that we had been given enough. And if we listened and if we were obedient and if we trusted that we would have enough, then that $10 roll of quarters could be vending machine snacks at every rest area on the way to the Grand Canyon or to the Liberty Bell or wherever the trip was. And we would have enough. And if we disobeyed, if we disregarded the rules that we were given, well, then it wouldn't work out so well for us. Then we would be hungry again. Then there would be loss. The Israelites are on the original super, super long road trip of their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness before they enter the promised land. And they're grumbling. And in this text that we read today, they are given a promise that they will have enough. They will have enough and that, that they need to trust that it will be enough. And if they try to cheat the system, they will lose out. They will lose out. And they do. And Moses gets angry with them because it's this proof positive over and over again that we're told one thing, we're told to do one thing, and it just doesn't stick. There's another shift happening in this particular passage of Scripture. This, this idea of daily bread is a new, a new showing of God's covenant promises. Consider that, that up to this point, um, God's, God's power has been on display in some amazing ways to the Israelites who are living in this day and age. They have seen the ten plagues in Egypt. They have seen the parting of the Jordan River and Pharaoh's army closed in over it as they parted through. They have seen so much. They have seen a pillar of fire and a cloud. They have seen much of the glory of the Lord. And this is because God has made a covenant to them. And we understand a covenant is a promise that also comes with a provision. A, promise is, a covenant is promise with provision. And they've seen the power of God on display. And now they come out of all of those great signs, out of all of the amazing wonders, and they're given something simple. Daily bread. Daily bread. And you can believe for sure that when Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, this is one of the stories that would echo in the heart of every Israelite who heard that story. Give us this day our daily bread. 
the ration for the day, a, a reminder that when God makes a promise, God will provide. And it's not through hoarding. It's not through, through storing it all up for all, to go, for all the future. It is enough to go day by day. The Israelites were taught of God's daily bread. God's promises come with provision. I think there's something to be learned there from us in our world today. We are not known in this moment of history for being people who trust in daily provision. Remember when all the toilet paper disappeared from all the stores? Why was that? Well, kind of a different understanding of daily bread. We are people who like to hoard. We are people who panic by. We are people who don't believe that there will be enough. And so we might like to say things like faith over fear, but when push comes to shove, we stock up and panic by and hoard. Would it be enough to pray the Lord's Prayer and to emphasize, give us this day our daily bread? Say, God, I will trust you that you will give enough, that there will be enough. God's power is on display, not just through the majesty now, but but through the day-to-day patience of a parent feeding a child. For Travis and Julie with Bennett, it is the day-to-day care that teaches Bennett that he is loved, that he is cared for, and that he will have enough. And sure, he's going to do some things of mischief. Keep him away from Uncle Eric. He's going to teach him all kinds of things probably that he shouldn't know. And yet, it is through through your love to him, through the parents loving their child, that they learn to trust. It is through the care that Travis and Julie and grandparents will give that Bennett will grow up with an understanding that, that the world may not be safe But I am loved, and I will be kept safe to the best of the ability of those who love me. This is a good thing. And in this way, Travis and Julie, your your faith will be taught through the stories, uh, through the stories you read, Bennett. But also, if you live this way, your faith will be caught. Not just taught, but also caught by the way that you live by the way that you speak, by the way that you trust, and by the way that you pray, with an understanding that God loves you even more than you are capable of loving your own son. And in that love, you will be cared for, and you will have enough. God gives daily bread. When the people try to store up more, it rots on them. And the only time that they the only time that they can actually build up a little extra is on the day before the Sabbath. Because God is also instilling within them they've they've got the work ethic, they have worked hard for so many years, but they are now being taught, even with manna, that they still need to be drawn out into rhythms of rest. If they are going to be healthy and well, if they are going to worship God, they need time to rest. And so the only time that the manna can be stored is in preparation for the Sabbath so that on that day they can eat and rest. No gathering, none of that whatsoever. 
They trust in God's daily bread. This can mean all kinds of things for us in days of freezers where we don't have to think as much day-to-day daily bread. There is enough, and we live in a land of plenty. But I do wonder if it means, even for those of us who have plenty, do we still at every meal say, Thanks be to God for this daily bread. Before each meal, we we do a a prayer with my children, and uh, it's the same prayer that I had growing up. I never knew it was set to music until I married Caitlin. I don't know, we just had to memorize it because it rhymed, but there's a song that goes with it. And join me if you know it. Um, That took me a second. The, 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 The melody is what trips me up. God is great and God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. By His hands we all are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. Amen. We sing this song to teach our children to give thanks to God for daily bread so that they don't take for granted what they have and so that when we do eat, we remember that God provided for the Israelites. We remember that Jesus taught us to pray for daily bread as an act of trust. And when we grow food in our garden and we store it and freeze it and can it and put it away for later, it is not a void of this text, but rather it is also an act of giving thanks to God for daily bread. We're giving thanks to God for for what we're freezing now that will be our daily bread in the future. And in this way, we give thanks simply for the food that we have. And we also know that not everyone in our own community, and certainly not in our world, lives with this abundance. It's why we do hand-to-hand for over 40 or 50 students at North Holland Elementary. It's why we still find a way to do the Harvest Feast this year, so that those who do not have the abundance that some of us might have can still have their daily bread. And not just for the sake of bread, but also with some love, some compassion, and some hospitality. Those of us that have plenty are called to give to those who have less than plenty. We give thanks to God for daily bread. If we pray before our meals, if we even give thanks to God for maybe the beef jerky that we're eating out of a packet in our passenger seat throughout the day, we give thanks to God for every bite of food to remember that everything that we have comes from the hand of God. Put it into practice. Simple gratitude. It'll change you, not in making you feel guilty for what you have, but rather a mindfulness of what we are blessed with. And it doesn't mean that we won't ever grumble. And Travis and Julie, as you bless Bennett, as you provide for his needs, it doesn't mean that he won't grumble either. For now, in different ways, eventually with words. But the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and Moses and Aaron said, you're not even grumbling against us, you're grumbling against God. And the, the, the Israelites are kind of dramatic about this. They're like, oh, if only we had died in Egypt where we had plenty of food. Now you just led us into the wilderness to starve out here. Remember how much food there was in Egypt? Come on. 
They were slaves living in the slums. There was not an abundance of food. They were rationed as as machines of Pharaoh's empire. But the past, no matter how grimy, will always look brighter when faced with the uncertainty of the future. When faced with an uncertain future, we will revere and overstate the goodness of the past. There is a mindfulness that we can do in that as well. There's plenty of unknowns with the future right now. There's plenty of clinging for things that were. But do we then forget to say, thanks be to God for the daily bread that we have? Is clinging to the past a way of not acknowledging God's provision in the present? Moses and Aaron told the people that they would be fed. And they were. And I think the people got the hint that Moses and Aaron were a little bit upset with them. And I do, in just reading this text over this week, wonder what it was like on that first morning. So first, all the quail come in. And, and I just imagine, I mean, can you imagine camping with a few hundred thousand people? And as Scripture says, your camp was covered in quail. That would be like almost terrifying as well as amazing. It would be like Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, Quail Edition. And I know, because, Julie, you've given me a hard time before with my fear of snakes, I know what your fear is, and it has to do with birds. So I am so glad that today is the text where we hear about the quail just covering the whole camp. I think it's just hilariously fitting. I also remember at your wedding, I said something about a herd of chickens, and Ron Holst said, Pastor Stephen, it's a flock, not a herd. Good catch. But this huge flock of quail has descended down, and they have enough to eat because these quail just showed up. This is an amazing miracle of daily bread. But then I kind of wonder the next morning, kind of putting myself in the shoes of the Israelites or the sandals thereof, Can you imagine being told that, okay, and then now, after all the quail have covered the camp the next morning, all right, so on the ground, I want you to pick up what's on the ground and eat it. The day after your camp has been covered in quail. Did you ever think about that? Like, I know Moses and Aaron were mad, but we're not eating that. And Moses and Aaron probably say, it's not bird poop. And we would have to understand, no, it's not, but I mean... There is a lot of quail here. They have to eat what's off the ground. It's not served in plates and platters. The manna is appearing on the ground, and they pick it up and go, Ma'ana in Hebrew, manna, what is it? Picking up where all the quail have now gone, picking up these wafers, white like coriander seed with wafers that taste like they were made with honey, and to gather up enough of your daily bread to eat it. And the quail would come, and the manna would come. And God would again and again prove for 40 years, daily bread would be provided. And it'll get old. They'll grumble about the manna a couple more times. And yet the people are given their daily bread. Friends, we, even in our baptism liturgy, are reminded that we are adopted as children of God. And children depend on their parents to care for them. 
With childlike faith, we rest in God's covenant, which is a promise with provision that God will provide, that there will be enough. So I encourage you and even challenge you this week especially, for every bite of food that you take, you can simply say, thanks be to God. And at every meal, say a prayer of gratitude for that daily bread. Change your relationship, not in the midst of all the uncertainties of the future, but rather to focus on what we have right now. You can't always get what you want, but if you try some time, you might just find that you do get what you need. The chuckles tell me, some of you know that's a quote from the Rolling Stones. Also a vacation favorite of my parents to play to us. You can't always get what you want, though, but you will get what you need. And what you need will come by God's hand. So in these times especially, focus on what you have been blessed with. And if you have been blessed with abundance, if you have more than your daily bread, share that daily bread with those around you through a hand-to-hand donation or through what we can do at the Harvest Feast, or maybe there's someone that you just need to swing through uh, on the next week Wednesday before Thanksgiving to pick up a meal and deliver to someone who you know is in need of daily bread. And as we do so, we give thanks to God for God's ongoing providence, God's ongoing provision, and for the wisdom with which we are cared for. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.